Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, praise God. Anybody else need a copy of the notes for this evening? If you like, just raise your hand if you didn't get one. If you'd like to have one, we just make them. I don't 100% say I'm going to go through everything that's on there, but deviate a little bit here and there. But just to help you out and take them with you, you can study things for yourself later on. But let's pray first. We'll get right into the teaching on prayer. Father, we delight ourselves in your presence this evening. It's an honor and a privilege to gather together with other people of like precious faith to study your word and knowing that your word is not just intellectually learned but spiritually perceived and discerned. We invite your Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts and our minds to open up our ears and our our eyes that we can clearly see and hear the truth that liberates, delivers and sets free. We thank you for an understanding heart and Father we thank you for changing us by your spirit from glory to glory conforming us to the very image of Jesus that we could become that for which he shed his blood and apprehended every single one of us. Father be glorified in all that is said and done in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're talking about prayer. I think this is like our ninth lesson on prayer. You could probably talk about prayer all year long. But we'll see how long it goes. But if it's okay with you I'm going to continue. If it's not okay with you I'm going to continue. (laughs) is that okay (laughs) first Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 through 18 rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you now the apostle Paul was a person of prayer without question he was a person of prayer and We know he practiced prayer because he knew about the power of prayer and the place that prayer holds in the life of a child of God. And so as you read through the epistles, what you discover is that the apostle Paul not only encouraged people to pray, but he really gave us examples as to how to pray and what to pray for in given situations. But I want you to notice that in the text that we just read to you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Did you notice he sandwiched prayer between two other powerful exhortations? Did you notice that? What did he say first? Rejoice once in a while. Oh, you're awake on a Wednesday evening. Rejoice evermore. In other words, maintain a level of joy in your life. No matter what you're going through, even trials and temptation and persecution. He said, rejoice when you're persecuted for my namesake. Why? The joy of the Lord is what? our strength it fortifies us it empowers us gives us boldness to stand fast so that's number one and then the other part was the last one in uh, verse 18 what did he say in everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ concerning you for in everything give thanks well sandwich in between those two what does he say pray without ceasing why why pray without ceasing Because he understood that really these are, you could say, the exhortations that help us succeed in our Christian walk, in our Christian lives. 
Actually, you could say it like this. Here's the key to success. First of all, be joyful, be prayerful, and be thankful. Always giving thanks to God for all things in Christ that we have. Be prayerful and pray without ceasing is important because what did Jesus say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we ought always to what? To pray. And he was almost implying, well, here's an hour of prayer. Couldn't you pray with me one hour? Couldn't you just pray and join forces together with me for one hour? And you better learn how to pray for yourself because your flesh is weak. Your spirit might be willing. And boy, did that not pan out in Peter's life when he said, I won't deny you. I won't deny you. I won't deny you. Uh, Peter, you're going to deny me <laughs> before morning. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. See, his spirit was willing, but his flesh was what? Weak. So in other words, for all of us, we all have the same flesh to contend with, don't we? We all have the same challenges that we face in life, don't we? Well, we need to learn how to pray effectively. Why? So that we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. A prayerless life is a powerless life. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Sometimes the enemy will come along and make you think, oh, that way your prayer means nothing. Are you kidding me? You pray the prayer of faith and you believe God for the safety and protection of your child. Your child goes out of the house and you have no idea what's going to come their way. But praise God because you prayed and stood fast and believed that God sent out angels surrounding them that they were divinely protected when they went over to the movie theater and the, the person that was there to try to do some damage there with all the gun he had and all the ammunition was captured and taken out. That scenario could have been a whole lot different. You realize that? But I believe praying people prevented it from happening. Yes, there was law enforcement that took their responsibilities and did what they had to do. But I believe that praying people prevented. He was walking around for two hours. I don't know what he was walking around for two hours, what he was thinking about doing. But you know what? Thank God. Thank God that we didn't have an incident take place in our locality like we've heard about around the nation. Aren't we thankful to God for that? Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty for that. And I believe that's the power of prayer. People believe in God for the safety and protection of their family, of their children. Amen. Now, uh, Paul prayed in, in, for the churches that he established. And in the book of Ephesians, we have two of his prayers that he prayed for the church that he established. In Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. We're going to look at Ephesians 1 this evening. And really, you could say that this was a prayer for enlightenment. In chapter 3, we understand there was a prayer for empowerment. I didn't think we'd have enough time to get to do that tonight. So we're just going to look at this one uh, closely and see what he was praying for. Sometimes people ask, what should I pray in this person's life? Maybe this person's not walking with God like they should. Maybe they're encountering some kind of difficulties or they're being, let's say, overpowered by pressure and, and circumstances of life. How should I pray for that person? Maybe someone's gone wayward. They've gone away from the things of God. How do I pray for that person? Well, we're going to find out here. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. And this is what Paul prayed for these young people that he just got established in the things of God. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love unto all the saints, cease not to make mention of you in my prayers. Okay, Paul, what are you praying for? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being aligned, that you may know the hope of his calling 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe which, which mighty according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and might and power and, and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things which is the church which is the fullness of which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all that was his prayer for these people now before this he gave them a rundown of the blessings that they have you're, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus you're accepted in the beloved he, he told them to have an inheritance in Christ he listed wonderful things that they have but he knew they were young and he knew they had to be established and so this is the prayer that he prayed for them we're going to break it down so we can see exactly what he wanted them to know so number one the first thing he prayed for was for them to know God do you know there are levels of knowledge there are levels of knowledge I'm sure there are people that you know maybe they work uh, across the plant from you you may know their name but you don't really know them you don't sit and have lunch with them you never had a conversation with them but you know their name that's a level of of knowledge but you don't really you can't really say I really really know that person intimately then you could have people that work, you work with right there and you have lunch with them every day you may know their wife's name or husband's name you may know their kids names you may know uh, where let's say what they do with their activities where they go on vacation etc etc you know them a little bit better a little more intimate okay then you've got your own parents or your own family and you're closer to all of them so you can see there are levels of knowledge and so when it comes to us accepting Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we know Him as our Savior, we know Him as our Lord, but that's the beginning of our receiving revelation of who God really is. And so Paul prayed for them that they wouldn't be satisfied with where they were at. Jesus said eternal life is all about knowing God and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and the Son. And the word for knowledge there is a powerful Greek word that that really actually means for a person to enter into a realm of knowledge that is deeply intimate. It's knowledge that perfectly unites the subject with the object, that the two come together. It's the kind of knowledge he's talking about in the way back Genesis 4, Adam knew his wife Eve and she bare a child. So we're talking about the, the deepest form of knowledge, the intimacy that a person has with his wife with her husband and he's saying that we can know God a whole lot better than what we do even though we've been saved listen to this verse in 1st John 4 7 and 8 when the apostle John said we made a song of it a beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God he that loveth not knoweth not God what's he saying you may be born of God but if you haven't taking the time to study, to learn about the love of God, then you don't really know him that deeply, know him that intimately. You don't know his heartbeat. You don't know his compassion. You don't really know his motivation and where he's coming from, what he's all about. And John was inspiring the people, the listeners that he was writing to, the readers that he was writing to, to really know God personally, deeply, intimately. You need to know him. And so Paul is praying, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. See, he wants them to really know 
the heart of God. Now, what does this take? The requirement is this. Yes, you've got to get into the word of God, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to know him like we should. It takes the Holy Spirit to open up the eyes of our understanding, to give us this kind of insight so that we can enter into this place of knowledge. See, I knew Jesus about Jesus before I got born again. And many of you probably did as well. But you weren't saved, you weren't born again, but you knew about him. That's a form of knowledge. But when you got saved, now you know him. He has saved you. He's washed you in his blood. You have that personal intimacy with him. But then as you continue to study the word of God to understand the character of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the grace of God, you learn more and more. You learn about the names of God that reveal to you, he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I know him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer and great physician. I know him as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness and what that means. That I'm righteous because of him, not because of myself, not my performance, but because of his and what he has done for me. I know him as Jehovah Ruah. He's the Lord my shepherd and I shall not want. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. His banner over me is love, but he is the host. He's the captain of the host of the army, the living God that protects me and keeps me safe. In other words, he's the one who protects me. He's my protector. Praise God to know him as protector. He's Jehovah Shammah and what a good one this is. He's ever here. He's ever present. Do you know him as that? Amen. You know, sometimes, you know, faith is an act. We act something out. You might want to, next time you sit in your chair, move over and say, oh, excuse me, Lord. Didn't, didn't mean to sit too close to you there. Because you see, you're aware of his divine presence there. That's what faith is. It's an act. I remember uh, Brother Hagan used to say when, w- during his teaching, he said, I would sit in a chair in my office and I'd sit right next to the other chair that was like as if he was counseling somebody and say, now, Lord, I know you're sitting in that chair there. Let's talk. Let's talk. In other words, you act out what you believe. If he says, I'm Jehovah Shammah, that means I'm ever present. I know you're here right now. But then also I know you're in me. It's learning these wonderful, blessed truths. It's having the Holy Spirit really opening up our eyes, the eyes of our understanding so that we can clearly see this spiritually. See, we have eyes that can see or not see. Okay? Look at Matthew 13 and you'll see what I'm talking about. In Matthew 13, here's Jesus speaking. Look at verses uh, 15 and 16. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Do you know you can see physically and you can see spiritually? You know we can hear physically and we can hear spiritually? We can understand physically, naturally, and we can understand spiritually. And so Paul was saying this. You can't just live your life based on what you know intellectually. And even when it comes to the things of God, just because we learned it intellectually doesn't mean we really know it. Our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, give me this revelation. Give me this understanding. Look at that verse 17 again. Give me this revelation. Give me this understanding. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to know you better. 
I want to know you more. And remember, know doesn't just mean a casual acquaintance. It means to know you in what depth I can while I'm living in this body. Paul said that was his primary aim and goal in life was what? In Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. If at all possible, I can experience such a transformation that the life of God that's in me can consume my whole life, even my physical body. That's my primary aim in life is to know him. I consider everything else, all the knowledge that I have of anything else in this realm of life as garbage compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you see, when you first get saved, it doesn't mean that's the end. That's only the beginning. It's the beginning of really learning how to know him deeply, intimately, personally in such a way that we can walk with him and share with him in everyday life knowing he's right there with us, right by our side. Amen. Helping us. Uh, Secondly, he also prayed that they would know, listen to this, our calling. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 again. Paul says, this is my prayer for you that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling. And we'll stop it right there at that one. Every one of us has been called of God. You know, preachers and teachers and evangelists and all them, apostles, prophets, they're they're called of God, but everyone is called of God. Every single one of us is called of God. There's a calling of God upon your life here tonight. My life. All of our lives. And it's a high calling. Actually, we've been called out from a lower calling to experience a higher heavenly calling. And think about it. Someone says, what if they offered you the job of the presidency of the United States of America? Well, probably I think I need to take it. But other than that, (laughs) what a whirlwind, huh? Can you say amen to that? What a whirlwind. I would have to say, well, that's lowering my call. Did you get that? Because see, being called to be a pastor, in my opinion, is higher than being called to be a president of the United States of America. Being a person called like you are to do whatever God's called you to do is the highest call in your life. What did, what did uh, Paul say his pursuit was? I'm pressing on for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus my Lord that's the highest call so I want you to know something whatever it is that you're doing for the Lord whatever that calling might be someone says oh I'm just called maybe to clean the church so it's a calling and with that calling praise God it's a high calling a high calling in your life that's higher than anything else well I'm just a teacher to the youth wonderful it's a high holy calling you should be honored to be called of God to do anything in this life. Can you say amen? So whatever your calling might be, you've been called to a higher calling in life by God to do what you're doing. Consider it an honor, a privilege, and a joy. Now, as you look at some of these verses, you don't, I didn't write them down. You could find them for yourself. But notice some of these statements. We've been called out of darkness, out from darkness into the light. Who has called us, Peter said, out of darkness into the light. Think about that statement. You talk about a lower calling. Anyone on this planet called earth who is not in Christ is really under the calling of darkness. 
darkness has called them. And they're being engulfed by darkness. You want to know how dark dark is? I was lost and didn't know it. I was blind and didn't know it. I couldn't see and didn't know it. You were the same way as well unless you grew up in the church where you were taught the things of God from a youth. Everyone out there in the world of darkness is bound by that darkness and that's their calling. And they don't realize that. But we've been called out of darkness into the light. The light was beckoning us. The light was calling us. Come on in out of the darkness. It took a while. The first person that witnessed to me was when I was 18 years old. It took till I was 24 to give my heart to Jesus because I didn't understand. The darkness is so dark you don't even understand it. So you tell someone today you need to be saved from what they say. Talk about darkness. What about the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees? Uh, we've never been bound. What? What? We've never been bound by sin or anything like that. We're the seed of Abraham. And Jesus says, you're of your father the devil. You don't even know it. Remember that? They were bound by religious traditions, the darkness of religious traditions, and did not even know it the light Jesus the light of the world was shining right there to all of them before all of them and guess what they couldn't see the light you see why we need to pray now just because we've been born again just because we've been saved we have the light in that one area of our lives but there are many that are blinded to the fact that they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost there are many that are blinded to the fact that Jesus still heals today and he delivers today and he sets free today and there's so many more things that we need to get a hold of today so we've been called out of what? Darkness into the what? Light. We've been called out of death into life. And if you believe on the name of the Son of God, you've passed from death to life. Death was calling and is calling everyone that's out there in the world today. Death has his pull on people's lives. Pulling them down and pulling them down until they spiral down to the regions of the dam. Is that not true? And they don't have any idea that that's what's happening to them. That's why you and I need to be vocal. We need to let people know there is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. They're bound by death. And they need liberated. They need delivered. And they need set free from that. Well, thank God Jesus abolished death and brought life and immortality to light to the gospel. And the moment you said yes to Jesus, you pass from death to life. You've been called out of death. And now you're in the light of life. I'll tell you what, life is a whole lot better than death. Wouldn't you agree to that? Amen. And there's so many more things. We've been called out of poverty to enjoy the riches of, of, of Christ. We've been called also out of uh, bondage into the liberty of the gospel. Thank God for the freedom wherewith Christ has set us free. So we can enjoy all these wonderful privileges of our calling. And what's he saying? I pray that you will study God's word to learn to know and understand that you've been called out of darkness. You've been called into light. You've been called out of uh, bondage into liberty. You've been called out of anxiety and turmoil into what? Peace. Having peace of mind in your life. You keep your mind on him, you'll be in perfect peace when your mind stayed on him. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. Do we know him as peace? Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. But peace that the world didn't give you. And the world can't take away from you. So you see, that's our calling. And there's so many, many more things that we've been called to enjoy. And Paul's praying for them. I pray that you learn to know him better. I pray that you learn to know your calling and everything that God has for you in this life. And then also 
Uh, number three, to know his inheritance. To know his inheritance. The riches of his inheritance in the saints. Look at Ephesians 1.18, the second part of that verse, what it says. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Well, what is he talking about? Notice I have this written here for you. And I'm gonna, it's a quote from uh, Patrick Henley. Look at what he said. I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one more thing I wish I could give them and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that and I had not given them a single shilling they would have been rich and if they had not that and I had given them all the world they would be poor indeed. What a powerful statement. In other words, I can give you the world with a fence around it. I can leave my children the world with a fence around it. I have given them nothing if they don't have Christ. But I can, if, they, if I give them Christ, I point them to Christ and lead them to Christ by my precept and by my example, and I leave them not one red cent. I've given them everything. One is temporal and the other is eternal. And so what's he saying? I want them to know, I want you to know the riches of your inheritance in Christ. Now look in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 because you see he was making it clear to them that the world has something to offer but what it has to offer can't compare to the riches that we have in Christ and this inheritance that we have in Christ. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. The riches of our inheritance in Christ includes many, many things. But here, as you can see, the world has a lot to offer with regard to wealth, fame, obviously, notoriety, prosperity, everything you can think of in the natural people can enjoy. But once again, it's short-lived and it's temporal. And the riches of this world, he's saying, uncertainty of these riches. These riches cannot take you into glory. These riches cannot open the pearly gates. These riches cannot guarantee you hearing those words, well done thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of your Lord. Your, your riches cannot buy you an audience with the living God when you're living on this earth and you need divine intervention. It cannot buy your way into the presence of God. And anyone who is rich in this realm, he said, don't be high-minded. Remember, it all belongs to God in the first place. And it can't buy you anything beyond this realm. He says, don't trust in the uncertainty of these riches as if it's all that meaningful. But open up your Bible. Begin to study. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life to do what? Open up your eyes so that you can clearly see the riches of our inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I listed a few for us to look at. These riches are unsearchable. Look in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8 what Paul said. Well, first of all, look at the other one. Look at Luke 16 first, verse 11. Because these are the true riches. Here Jesus was talking about people that are faithful. If you're faithful with small things, little things. If you're faithful with your, your financial resources that God gave you as you live on the earth. If you're faithful to help another man succeed, then God knows that you are a faithful person. And he can trust you. What can he trust you with? If therefore you have not, be, not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon 
who will commit to your trust the true riches. There are true riches that go beyond the riches of this world, he is saying. Now look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. These riches in Christ are unsearchable. Unto me who am less than least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means endless, boundless, incalculable. It means unfathomable, inexhaustible. It means the riches that we have in Christ go beyond our human comprehension. And we can't begin to wrap our brains around everything that Christ has provided for us. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of all things. Who created all things by the word of his power who is Christ. His hand in creation itself. And then his hand in redeeming mankind. And everything that God has ever done for us in Christ that belongs to us. The Bible says, I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us, for those that love him. And because we love him, we have these unsearchable riches in Christ Jesus. And what do we need to do? Ask the Holy Spirit to make these things known to us. Help me to better appreciate the things that Christ provides for me. For example, just his precious blood that purchased my redemption. Oh, I should be so indebted to him to deny myself and take up my cross and follow him because of the sacrifice that he made for me. Now, notice the riches. We listed some for you. Uh, The riches of his glory. This is the riches of his glory. Now, be honest with me. Anybody here, will you admit that your body is called a jar of clay? You know how scripture says it's a jar of clay? We have in this earthen vessel or this jar of clay. It's made from the dust of the earth, right? So this is our earth suit. We're not, this is not the real me, the body. The real me is the guy on the inside, spirit and soul, right? He's about 6'2", by the way, just let you know. Just just let you know. Okay. Now, this jar of clay is housing what? The glory of of God. We have this treasure which he talked about the glory of God. God who called light out of darkness has shined in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and we have this glory in an earthen vessel. Now if you begin to think about this unsearchable rich, richness that we have in Christ, think about this. The Shekinah glory, the glory of God that came down from heaven that burned up the sacrifice for Elijah. The glory of God that came down from heaven that burned up uh, the sacrifice of Solomon put before the Lord when he made an end of praying uh, for the temple when it was sacrificed, when he sacrificed the animal and it was dedicated. The Shekinah glory that appeared among the people when they began to sing and praise the Lord. They couldn't stand it by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. The brightness of his glory that was seen, praise God, even on the Mount on Transfiguration when they were all glorified right there. And it, just the glory of God that we see in all these incidents in the Bible, a cloud by day, a flyer by night, that's the glory of God. When you see the glory of God, you can see it outwardly. There it is out there, 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 there. And I saw the glory of God. I've shared this with you before. I've seen the glory of God like a cloud. But beloved, when we got filled with the Holy Ghost and power, the glory, the Shekinah glory entered into us. We have this glory in a jar of clay. We've got this glory in this vessel of ours. Can you imagine that? Have we, begin, have we begun, any one of us, to really understand the depth of this revelation that the glory that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in all of us? 
Isn't that what Paul said? We have this glory in this earthen vessel. Wow. Wouldn't behoove us to become more inside conscious than outside conscious? Remember what, what Peter said about women whose husbands are having some issues and not studying the word of God and maybe not obeying God. Don't let it be the outward plating of the hair. Don't be all this outward external making yourself look beautiful. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Right? The hidden man of the heart. The one on the inside. So in other words, cater to the man on the inside. And that man on the inside is housing the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. Wow. And then of course there's the riches of his wisdom. The riches of his grace. The, the, you could say the, the riches of his mercy. Uh, God is rich in mercy for his, his great love wherewith he loved us. So help us to have a better understanding. For example, when you wake up tomorrow morning, his compassions that fail not and his tender mercies are renewed every morning. Help us to be so aware and cognizant of the fact that when I wake up in the morning, his mercy met me with a kiss. Because you know why? If you don't think like that, the devil, when you get up and just say, uh, you ugly thing, you up again. That's what he'll say. Why, you old sinner saved by grace. And if you're not taught well enough, you'll say, yeah, I know. But if you're taught well enough, you'll say, sorry, Charlie. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I'm a masterpiece. I'm his workmanship. Hallelujah. And the man on the inside is greater than you, so get out. You're not coming to breakfast with me this morning. Amen. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. And I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, as we move on to number four. Ephesians 1. Look at 19 and 20 now. Now we're to know the power. Now we know the glory we need to know the power. Because sometimes I think we go through life in thinking that we're powerless when it comes to the situations we encounter and face. But notice, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to, toward, usward, who believe? To whom? The exceeding greatness of his power to, he is saying, I want your eyes to be open to begin to truly understand the depths of this power that is in you. Look at this. According to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He is saying the power it took to raise Jesus from the dead was the same power it took to raise death out of us. And when we got born again, it was the same Holy Ghost that raised him from the dead that brought us out of death into life. It was the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead who dwells in you, who dwells in us. He came in to kick death out. He came in to kick darkness out. He came in, praise God, to kick weakness out, failure out, doubt 
out. He came in to take up occupancy in our lives. And it's time to put up a no trespassing sign or no occupancy sign and say, devil, no occupancy. That means you. Fear, death, darkness, whatever it is. Defeat. No place in me. Praise God. I have the living God on the inside of me. Paul was saying, I'm praying that your eyes will be open to that. I mean, this, can you wrap your brain around that yet? That the power that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you? The same power that raised up Christ from the dead dwells where? In us. And it was the greatest working of God's mighty power. The greatest working of his power. What do you mean by that? It took him nothing to create a universe. Right? And if you believe in six days or seven days, six days, seven days, uh, the creation go back. Think about it. Let's just say that in seven days he put the whole works together. It took him 4,000 years to save man. 4,000 years. That should show us something. There had to be other things involved. Nothing's that so, so hard for God. But you see, Adam's fall was so legal that he had to do it in a legal manner. And to do it in that legal manner was going to take the time that he needed to raise up a nation, Israel, bring in a Savior, Jesus, have him go to a cross, substitution, take our place, die, pay the penalty for our sin, raise him up on the third day, take his blood to the high court of heaven, offer it on the, on the altar sacrifice and make that judgment seat a mercy seat once again. And then come back and show himself alive. Ascend back on high. Send the Holy Ghost to confirm his ascension and seating at the right hand of the majesty on high. Be reinstated. Remember he said, Father, give me back the glory I had before I left. Being reinstated in his position at the right hand of God. And say, all angels now bow to him again. That's what happened. His coronation. It took all that. It took 4,000 years to get death out of you. And get death out of me. Oh my. Wow. That's something to think about. It sure is. This was the greatest working of God's awesome, almighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And Paul is saying, man, can you imagine if we got our eyes really open to where we really know God? Think about it. And we really know our calling. And we really know our inheritance. And we really know the power that we have on the inside of us. Well, what a difference it would make in all of our lives in helping us evangelize the world. So, his power is exceeding great. Notice it's exceeding great. It's power given to all believers. It's power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is power, praise God, that transcends and trumps all other dominions, powers, and name that is ever named. As you read the rest of those verses, what did it say? According to the mighty power that he used to raise him from the dead, far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, it carries over to the other side, but in the world that is to come. You realize God made an investment in us. God made a deposit in us on the inside of us that carries us through this life and takes us over to the other realm. Whew. This is power that transcends all other powers. Mice, dominions, the name that is named. 
in this world and in that which is to come. Whew, what a carryover. You see why we need to pray about this? Because <laughs> our heads are spinning right now. You look like, I just got off of work tonight and here I am and I'm a little tired. <laughs> and I'm little on me and uh, kind of rushed, you know, and, but I'm here and, and uh, am I really all that? <laughs> You're that in a bag of lays. <laughs> Amen. And how much more, right? So Paul was praying and you can see why. He had the revelation of these things. He was caught up to the third heaven, if you recall. He saw things unlawful to say and repeat, if you remember. The revelations that he had were so beyond this realm. He says, I can't speak of them. But the things I've been allowed to share with you, I'm sharing with you. And he's sharing these blessed truths with all of us. That we can know him more intimately. We can know our calling and all that it entails. We can know the riches of our inheritance in Christ. And we can know this awesome power that's in us. If we only pray and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, instruct me, enlighten me. Give me this revelation, knowledge, and this understanding of who I am and what I have in Christ. So I can live my life the way you want me to on this earth. You see why we got to pray to have our eyes open? Because it's not intellectual knowledge. If it was intellectual knowledge alone, we'd all have it made. But it's not. It's a revelation knowledge. God revealing to us the depths of these truths. The mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So when Paul prayed, he said, Father, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened to know the hope of your calling and the riches of your glory and the inheritance in the saints. The exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe that you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand. Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is, come, which is to come. And put all things beneath his feet and gave him to be head over all things for the church and the benefit of the church which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Unto him be glory in the church. Hallelujah by Christ Jesus. That means every single one of us has it. The question is what are we going to do with it? Amen. Let's learn more about it. Let's really appreciate it. And let's, more than anything else, act like it's true. No wonder we've got a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Because of all this. That was his first prayer. Next week we'll talk about the, third, the, the, the next prayer. Let's all stand before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. 
And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.